Mark chapter 5, if you would take your Bibles and do yourself and myself a favor and take off your watch and put it away. (laughs) I was putting a mint in my mouth up here and it reminded me of the preacher who uh, went into his pocket to get a mint and he thought, it's been a long service already so I'll put this mint in my mouth and when this mint is gone, I'll know it's time to wrap up the sermon. So about an hour and a half later, the mint's still in his mouth, and he pulls it out and realizes he put a button in there instead of a mint. So <laughs> It is a mint this morning, I promise you. <laughs> I want to say thank you to, to Pastor Matt and Pastor Austin. Uh, we do not go out and preach very often. I, I told our people Wednesday night, if if the only place I ever get to preach again is right here in the sanctuary behind this pulpit, that will be all that I desire. Uh, from time to time, we're asked to go other places, and it's, it's wonderful to know that when we're gone, you are going to get men who are going to preach the Word of God. And I'm so thankful for them and, and standing in the gap last week. And I didn't get to hear Matt's sermon because we were in service, but I did get to hear Austin's sermon on the way home. We were traveling And man, what a powerful message Uh, Sunday night. I'm so thankful for these men. And if you missed Sunday night, and I know a lot of you did because I got the attendance number through a text, uh, you missed a real blessing. And I hope that any time that we assemble as a church, no matter who's preaching, that we are faithful together, together as the Lord has commanded us to do. And I hope that tonight you'll come back at 6 o'clock because the church is also commanded to take the Lord's Supper together, and we'll be doing that this evening at 6 p.m., and I encourage you, there's, it's going to be a different service, the whole service is going to be centered around the Lord's table, and I will bring a brief challenge, not an entire message, but there's going to be other things that are centered around that, and so I encourage you to come back at 6 p.m. this evening. Just to review a little bit, because it's been a few weeks uh, since we have been in this, this is the 14th message in the Gospel of Mark, and we have made it to chapter 5 and chapter 4. You remember that Jesus has started teaching in parables, which are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning, and he has spent the entire day in Mark chapter 4 teaching and healing and doing miracles, but primarily teaching And after the masses are gone and only a few are left, you remember he and those that are left get into boats and they go across to the other side. I can only imagine that the disciples thought it's been a long day and we're going over to the other side. We're going to take a nice sunset cruise across the Sea of Galilee. And I've been on the Sea of Galilee and it is beautiful, Uh, just a nice calm sea most of the time. But storms come in there, and so on their way to the other side, as you know, a massive storm comes up. It wasn't quite the relaxing sunset cruise that they thought it was going to be. And you remember that while they are there, that uh, they go to get Jesus out of the boat. He's asleep in the boat, and they go to get him. And he again proves his deity, because that is what all of the gospel is about. It's about what, what all of Jesus' earthly ministry Uh, was to do was to prove that he was the son of God. And so he speaks to the winds and waves and they cease at his command and they do that because he is God. He is sovereign. He is powerful. He is all knowing. And so as the sea calms and they make their way to the other side, I'm not sure that anything could prepare them for what they were about to experience on the other side. It was not the retreat, again, that they thought they were going to experience 
when they get to the other side. And you know, some, some sections and sometimes we try to really tell you a story to bring you into the text and, and give you this really great introduction. Let me tell you, there is nothing that I need to do to try to pull you into this text because this is a fascinating text. It is a text with all the theatrical elements of a box office movie. And it is something that captures our attention uh, as Jesus comes over and encounters a man that is possessed of many demons who has controlled his life and his body. So let's read the text this morning. If you're able to stand, stand with me, and we will begin reading in verse number one. They came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion, and now he is sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devils prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. And hath had compassion on thee, and he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Father, again, as we come to your word, teach us through your spirit, convict us, encourage us, and challenge us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. We, we literally could spend hours in this text, and we're not going to, but... There is so much here, and today I'm really going to kind of just give us an overview of it and encourage you to go home and really dig deep in it. But I want you to see three things this morning from the text in regards to the demonic power that is there and the deity power that is there and their encounter. The first thing I want you to see is the demonic power or the power of demons to ravage. We see this in verses 1 through 7, and one thing that this, this section clearly points out is, listen, there is a superhuman power in demons and unclean spirits. We see that it literally takes over this man's body. 
And it reminds us of this, in case you forget it in the society in which we live, in case you forget it in nice conservative Fentress County where you and I live, that listen, you and I are in a great spiritual warfare, a great spiritual battle against God and against Satan. In fact, I am convinced that if somehow today I could pull back a curtain and reveal to us all that is going on in that spiritual warfare, that it would awaken us, that it would change us, that it would challenge us as we saw the demonic powers that are even around us here in this county. I think that it would cause us to be more committed people to Bible study. I think it would cause us to be more committed to prayer, to prayer time, to prayer meetings, to assembling of the body of Christ. I I think, listen, I truly believe it would change the way we witness, don't, don't you? If we could see the warfare that's going on, it would change us. And so the demons in our text, they had ravaged this man's life. They had taken over his body. They had taken over his mind. They had even uh, stolen his ability to speak for himself. And the entire town feared any type of interaction from this maniac of Gadara. His home was now among the dead at the local cemetery and he was hunted and captured by no doubt the men of that area like an animal and using the strongest of chains and the strongest of ropes to restrain him which were broken like a twig by his superhuman power that he was given by these demons. He had been driven into the mountains and really his behavior had become animalistic. No man could tame him, the Bible says. And they had so influenced him that he had resorted to self-mutilation to attempt to deal with the emotional and the mental and the spiritual and physical anguish brought on by these demons. You see, psychology was not going to fix this man. Incarcerating him into... Jail or prison was was no use and no amount of medication that was prescribed to him was going to calm him or reform him. These demons demons had ravaged his life and this was something, this was a spiritual problem. This was something that only God could solve. Notice again. The demons that inhabited the body of this man paid tribute tribute to the deity of Jesus Christ. They also knew his name, Jesus. And they addressed him as Jesus, although they hated and they feared that name. Notice how they referred to him. Jesus, thou son of the most high God. And that is an interesting phrase that they use because that is a a phrase that is often used in the Old Testament that referred to the awesome majesty of God. You know what they were saying? This man is God. He is not just another man. He is not just another teacher. They acknowledged him as deity, that he was the God He was God that was in the Old Testament. He was God that's in the New Testament. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the first and the last. And they tremble at his power. Notice what they said. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. 
It's interesting to me that in the, in the Gospel of Mark, in the record of Mark's writing, that the only recorded testimony so far to the reality that Jesus is indeed God has come from demons. It has not come from a human being. In fact, we will not read of a human actually making this claim until the Roman centurion says at the cross, truly, this was the Son of God. So listen, the demons know that he's God. The demons acknowledge that Jesus is God. I would say that they know that maybe more so than a lot of people in our society. You see, demons have a scriptural Christology. They know who Jesus Christ is. They have a scriptural eschatology. You know that they know that one day, as the Lord comes back, that they will be sent forever to the lake of fire. They know that. And so here in verses 7 and 8, we see the shift from the superhuman power of demons. And I'm not going to spend a lot, of power, a lot of time on that, but just to say that this is still very active in our world today. Especially in other countries where idolatry is given preeminence. But secondly, this morning, I want you to see not only the power of demons to ravage, but I want you to see the power of deity to rescue. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that no matter what binds you, what spiritual thing binds you, that you can be rescued by Jesus Christ? Jesus reminded the apostles and those eyewitnesses that are here who will be inspired to record his story in the eternal scriptures that he is deity, that he, Jesus, is not just a good man, not just a miracle worker, not just a good teacher. No, this Jesus was and is the sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God. But here's what we see, and don't ever forget this. Demons are bound By the will of Jesus. Demons are bound by the will of Jesus. And when Jesus says for them to flee, what must they do? They must flee. John reminds us in 1 John 3 and verse 8, I love this verse. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. In other words, for this purpose, Jesus came to earth that he might destroy the works of the devil. Don't ever forget that. Jesus sends these demons into 2,000 pigs who run off a cliff and they drown. And demons are doing what demons do, and that is controlling and creating chaos. Now, maybe you're like myself. You wonder, Tim, why did he send these demons into the pigs? The animal rights people would be having a fit right now, wouldn't they? I mean, why didn't he send them into the abyss? If you studied Revelation with us, you know that there are many demons who he has already put in the abyss, confined. Why didn't he do that? Let me give you a real theological answer. I don't know. (laughs) And when you get to heaven, you can ask him and we can all find out together. I have my speculations and I have my opinions, but the Bible doesn't tell us why. And you didn't come to hear my opinions this morning, did you? But they obey him. They do what he tells them to do. 
What is the main point? The main point of the story is not that he sends the demons into the swine. What is the main point? The main point of the story is what comes next. And don't miss the main point of the story. It is the highlight of the narrative, and it is this, that the transforming experience that occurs when Jesus rescues a soul in life. This transforming experience occurs when Jesus rescues a soul in life. Jesus doesn't use his power here to make a political statement. He doesn't use his power here to degrade this man. He uses his power to transform this man's life and his eternal destiny. Because listen, church, that is at the heart of our God. Don't get consumed with everything else around you. Brother Brian shared a great video with us this week. A lot of times we hear people say, I'm a conservative Christian. I am a liberal Christian. I'm a, you put it in front of it, Christian. And when you do that, your emphasis is on the adjective, not the noun. He didn't use his power to make a political statement. His heart is changing lives. His heart is changing souls. His heart is rescuing men and women. His heart is the gospel. And the transformation is as radical as they come. Look again at verse number 15. They come to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. The crude, rude, nude dude has become a converted, clothed, content, calm Christ follower. Why? Jesus. Jesus is the one who can change someone's life in eternity. This story is another reminder that no one is so sinful. No one is so full of the devil. No one is so controlled by someone else or something else that they can't be rescued and delivered by all-powerful God, Jesus Christ. It's another reminder that the church is to be a hospital with an active emergency room where people who are broken and who are hurt and who are sick can come and find help. We're reminded in this story that while the demons could give this man power to break the chains that were put on him by the community, that there was only one that could break his eternal chain, and that was Jesus Christ himself, the chain breaker, who could break him from the chains of sin who could set him free, not just temporarily, could set him free eternally, give him eternal life. Don't you love that Jesus Jesus goes through great measures, Brother David, for individuals, for people? Do you know that he went across the sea and as recorded here, this man is the only one who turns to him? Jesus said in Mark 2.17, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Listen, if you're here this morning and you are spiritually sick, if you don't know Christ, 
If there is great unrest in your heart, in your life, I want to tell you that Jesus has brought you here this morning to hear that he loves you. That he died for you. That he can give you victory. That he can give you freedom. I love what John Phillips wrote about this. Just as once Jesus must needs go through Samaria, so now he made his deliberate way to Gadara. He had come to meet this hopeless derelict as purposefully as he had gone to meet the woman at the well. He was on an assignment. And I've said it before, and I will say it as long as I have breath to preach this Bible. I don't care where you have been. I do not care what you have done. If you will, in faith and repentance, turn to Jesus Christ, he will save you. He will save you. If you have great sin, he has greater grace. The power of demons to ravage. Secondly, the power of deity to rescue. And lastly, the power of the decapolitians or the citizens of Decapolis region to respond. He refers to this whole region in verse number 20 as Decapolis. And here is the point of this, that you know when you come face to face with Jesus and you are presented with who he claims to be, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of the Most High God, it calls for a response. And these people in this town, in this region, they were faced with a response. Listen, whenever you're presented with the truth of who Jesus is, you have the power to make a decision. By God's gift of free will, you can either put your faith and trust in who he says he is, Jesus, the son of God, or you can reject him. And I'm struck by the response of the people of Decapolis. They had just seen this incredible expression of transforming power. They had just seen Jesus do what no man could do. And notice their response to him in verse number 17. And they began to pray him or to beg him to leave their town and never come back. To depart out of their coast. The man that they had feared the most in their town was now changed, clothed, in his right mind, content, an asset to the community. Why? Because of Jesus. And they want him gone. Why? Because I believe Jesus had made their city a very uncomfortable place. For one thing, he had taken away some of their revenue. They knew that if they would follow Jesus, that they would have to give up their sin, their life, the things they were comfortable with, their possessions, their investments, and most of all, their religion. And if Jesus was indeed who he claimed to be, that they would need to follow him. They would rather have kept the swine than kept the Savior in their region. The swine made them money. Jesus called them to give up all and follow him. And for those that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, listen, it is always more comfortable to be in the presence of evil than to be in the presence of righteousness. They were content with their lives as it was, even though, it was, even though this man was ravaging their community, they would rather have him than Jesus. The maniac was called immediately, by the way, to become a missionary. 
Miss Kara, not to put you on the spot this morning, you, just like all of us, the moment Jesus saves us, he calls us to be a missionary. He didn't even send him off to Bible college. Although that's great too. But he calls him to be a missionary. And he shared the message of the gospel to his city. He wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus has just changed his life. Jesus, can I get in the boat and go with you? I don't want to stay here. And what does Jesus say? No, you can't go with me. The first person that ever Jesus sends out, even before he sends out his apostles to go, he sends this maniac and he calls him to be a missionary, an ambassador of Jesus Christ. This is the kind of change that God makes in our life. Let me give you in closing, just a few things in regards to demonic power and the spiritual warfare. Number one, let me say this, be aware. Be aware. Demon possession is a mysterious but very real condition. Idolatry and demon possession are often twins. They go hand in hand and tampering with the occult or getting involved with drugs or flagrant immorality are all means whereby evil spirits get a hold of people, invade their bodies and control their minds. And listen, I could stand up here this morning and tell you stories that I personally have experienced and others have personally experienced in this room. And I won't do that this morning. I don't want to give Satan any more airtime than he already has. But I can tell you that this is something that we need to know exists and we need to be aware of it. Just to bury our heads in the sand doesn't do us any good. Listen to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2.11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Notice what he says. We are not ignorant of his devices. We're not in, we, we are not ignorant of his methods. Hey, if you're playing around this morning with something that is absolutely anti-God, I want to beg of you this morning to be aware that it can capture your life. It can ravage your life. It can ravage relationships. Be aware of it. Secondly, be prepared for it. Be prepared for it. Listen to Paul's admonition in Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong, speaking spiritually here, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Notice what he says in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Would you say that with me? Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That ye may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. It's not just enough to know it exists. It's not just enough to be aware of it. It it is something else for you and I as believers to understand that we are in a spiritual warfare and that God has called us to put on the whole armor of God. And he goes on to lay it out, the belt of truth. Be consumed with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then notice what he says in verse number 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Be strong in the Lord, he says. Be strong in the word of God. 
Be strong in faith and, and salvation and prayer. Put these things on every day. Hey, if you don't, don't expect to win in the war that we're called to fight in. Be aware, be prepared. Thirdly, be encouraged. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You go, well, you scared me to death. I want you to leave this morning as a child of God encouraged. James 4, 7 gives us this incredible promise. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Notice this. Resist the devil. Say it with me. And resist the devil and he will flee from you. Here's the good news for believers. If you're a child of God, the spirit of God lives in you. And I believe that demons and the spirit of God cannot coincide inside of a person. And what it means is that even though the demons of hell have superhuman power, the Holy Spirit has superior power. And John says in 1 John 4, 4, and if you walk away with nothing else this morning, walk away with this verse. He says, ye are of God, little children. Speaking to the children of God, you have overcome them. Notice this, because greater is he, the Holy Spirit of God that is in you than he that is in the world. He is greater than any demon. He is greater than any power. As Martin Luther wrote, And though the world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. For God has willed his truth to triumph through us. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Christian, no need for you to be afraid but you do need to be aware and you do need to be prepared. And that's why we say, and that's why the scripture says in Hebrews, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know why we need spiritual strength in these days. We need each other. We need the word of God. We need prayer. We need to put on these things. We need greater faith. We need the truth of God's word to be something that is deep in us. We need the the breastplate of righteousness. We need to go with the the shoes of the, the gospel of peace. We need to put those on and share the gospel with people. It doesn't just help them. It helps us be strong. Be a soldier of the cross. If you're here this morning and there's never come a time in your life where you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for salvation, I invite you this morning to do so. I do believe what we see here is a man who was possessed of demons, but when he put his faith in Jesus, his life was changed. By the way, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He will change your life. He will change your life. And if you're here this morning and you never put your faith and trust in him, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. Christians, whatever it is that God has spoken to you about this morning, I encourage you to remember 
the power that we have in deity, the power that we have in God. Father, we thank you again for your word. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning and hear those of us who are Christians. Some of us have gotten very casual in our walk with you. We are oblivious to the warfare that's going around. We're, we're oblivious to the spiritual battle that we are in. We think more of the Christian life like a cruise ship than we do a battleship. And God, we need to be awakened this morning to the reality that Satan is out to steal and to kill and to destroy. Help us to be prepared. Help us, Lord, to be people who are committed to your word, to your truth, to prayer, to the reading of your word. Lord, wherever there's weaknesses this morning, would you deal with us? Would your spirit call our attention to those things in this moment? Help us to repent and help us, Lord, to add these things, put on these things. And Lord, help us to be encouraged this morning. Help us not to walk out of here fearful, fearful of every noise we hear, fearful of everything that we hear. But instead, remember that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. May we take great courage and boldness with us today, realizing that we have the Spirit of God in us to empower us and lead us. We pray if there's here someone here this morning and they've never put their faith in you alone for salvation, that this morning, just as Kara did several weeks ago, that this morning they will come and allow someone to take the word of God and show them how they never have to live in this fear again. Draw them to you, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.